Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Clark, joined, as always, back in studio by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And boys, I feel like we we need to get to know one another again. Uh, it's been so long uh, since we've been together. Uh, this promises to be a magical episode. Uh, but before I get into that, I want to get into uh, something that's going to take place in which we will all be together in the same room. Uh, and that is our Live in Louisville event. Live in Louisville is coming up in October. It's real. Uh, this is not a tease. This is not one of those things that we will talk about and then not do. Uh, Pipe, you have details, concrete details and a link uh, about this event. So why don't you tell us about that right now? I do. Yeah, Ronnie worked hard behind the scenes to secure us a location. So on uh, October 22nd, that's a Sunday, from 8 to 10 p.m. at one of the Sojourn Church campuses, I believe it's the East Campus, all the details are at the website, we will be doing an event where we record a couple live episodes. We'll do Q&A with whoever's there. We will work with our dear friends at Lagar's Roasters to provide coffee. We Mm. will work with Mission Aware to see what kind of swag we can have there. Some of those details are still up in the air, but we will definitely be there for whoever wants to come. It's 10 bucks a person, and uh, we are not looking to get rich off this. It's mainly to help cover the costs of the people who are helping us, you know, by providing coffee, location, uh, resonate, who will be helping with the sound, some of those things. So that is to go to cover those costs. So 10 bucks a person, October 22nd, 8 p.m. And again, Louisville's Eastern time. So if that makes a difference to people who are driving in from different places. But if you go to happyrantpodcast.com and just look at the events section, all the details are there as well as a link to register. It's just an Eventbrite page. So you can go in there, you can reserve your spot and, uh, and we will be all set for this. We're super excited because we talked about doing this last year and we never got our stuff together. And this is this is real and it's going to be spectacular. Baby, I love it. Now, I'm just trying to, in my mind's eye, envision Sojourn East. Um, do, do they meet in like a like a functional like meatpacking plant? Uh, how, how hipster are we talking here, man? Are there going to be like whirring machines in the if background? It's, if, it's not a cre- if it's not a creamery, an old creamery, I'm not showing up. Guys, it's not. So maybe it's just going to be me there because, uh, unfortunately, this is uh, this is one of those this is one of those church uh, situations where it's uh, it's kind of an older church. Is it a church that looks like an actual church? Because it's I'm, an actual church, right? And they actually uh-huh. they actually still Ooh, I think share chic. it with a. Uh, they actually share it with another church that still currently meets there, but it's uh, you know they've done some good things on the inside, but it's still kind of old school tradition church on the outside. Okay. And, uh, so it, yeah, it's not going to be. Uh, you know, it's it's not going to be everybody's, you know, like old, you know, secluded, you know, uh, impoverished warehouse scenario like we all like we all would, would love and feel better about, you know. If we wait another 10 years, like the really heinously ugly 90s churches will be the vintage thing that we're all nostalgic. Of course. For. Absolutely. Um, so I can't wait, man. This, this church needs to just stay the course and stay put and then. Uh, they will have an incredible hipster environment in about a decade. Absolutely. Ronnie, does it smell like a church? No, it doesn't. I mean, look, they've no. So that's what I was trying to say is like they've done some significant work where they've 
they've taken kind of like a, I don't know what year the church was built. It's not like old, old, right? So it's not like one of these old style, like, you know, ex Lutheran Methodist, you know, A-frame churches yeah. or anything yeah. like that. But it's uh yeah, it's just kind of like a, a real standard kind of a building. And then on the inside, they've, they've modernized, you know, out a little bit and it's going to be really good for us. So we're actually, we're actually meeting in the, in the chapel, which is a smaller room there that holds about a hundred people. And uh, so, man, we'd love to uh, we'd love to get as many people into that room as possible. There's no doubt about it. Outstanding, baby. And we will have uh, we will have Lagaris Roasters coffee on hand. And if you haven't done so already, visit uh, HappyRantPodcast.com. Uh, click on coffee. Get yourself some Lagaris Roasters coffee. It is delicious. And uh, boys, I want to get right into the content today because uh, it's been so long since we've done this. It's been so long since I've done three topics with you gentlemen that uh, I just can't wait to get into it. So Baby, are you feeling rusty right now? I mean, are you are you feeling like you have to sort of, it's like you're, are you like moving your shoulder blades back and forth? I mean, is yeah, it like, moving the shoulder blades a little bit, like, you know, just working the kinks out. Big that's arm, what I'm saying. You know? yeah. um, it's like, I'm, I'm a little cold. I'm doing like a, like a rehab assignment. I know, I know baseball is a, is a, a world that you're familiar with. So oh, absolutely. I, I like the back of my hand. I, I, like bet, uh, I bet Kinta Colby had to do a rehab assignment at one point. Kinta Colby did some rehab assignments. The penguin Ron say maybe a couple games down with the, down with the Toledo mud hens at some point, you know, think of us that way. You know, think of me in stirrups, big R stirrups and baseball pants and a, and a Ron say mustache. That's, now, that's the image. Right. That's the image I was waiting for. Now I'm good. Now I can continue. Now absolutely. I can continue with the with Rex specs. Clearly with Rex specs with, uh, yeah, like the 80s transition aviator glasses. That's that's pretty much what I'm working with here in the studio. So, boys, I want to talk about uh, fans. And occasionally we get um, a text or an email from a listener, just from a fan, from somebody who's not in the industry, somebody who doesn't really understand the ins and outs of what it is that we do here on the program on a week-to-week basis. And uh, we got one of those this week. And... Pipe, I don't think it's an industry secret to say that um, the last three episodes that we've done, so we did three episodes in which each of us kind of got the floor for an ep. So, uh, Pipe, you did an amazing job interviewing Ron and myself, um, and Ronnie interviewed Barnabas when I was in Israel, and these um, these episodes were wildly popular. Um, a lot of people listened. I think we had our three best you know, episode download numbers of in the history of the program. Uh, with those apps, which is very cool. So thank you to, to everybody. But um, we had one fan uh, write in, um, just a little bit perplexed at what we were doing. So this text said, when did the happy rant turn into the therapist on the couch, tell me about your past podcast? Um, and this uh, this fan, this listener was one Stephen Altrogi. So this, yeah, this this tells me a couple things, Pipe. It tells me that he's still listening to the program religiously. Uh, which I've long thought to be the case. Um, you know, I know he's keeping tabs on the program. And and two, um, and I want to hear from both of you on this. What what do you make of this kind of uh, perspective on our last three episodes from Trogues? Well, I think it's I think it's hard when somebody who's involved with the founding of something sees it kind of morph into something else or something more. So, you know, Stephen was obviously one of the founders of this podcast. He he came to me and we did some little videos back in the day. And then we brought on Ted and launched the, the podcast with uh, probably more critical success than commercial success at that point. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, when Stephen was sort of captaining the ship, it was we did a lot of different kinds of things that we don't do now. And uh, and I'm so I'm I'm sure the fact that we have 
we've blossomed into this new thing, it might be a little bit challenging for him as somebody who remembers what once was and mm-hmm. maybe he's having a hard time uh, getting with the times of it's this tough. particular successful podcast. That's tough. Yeah, very true. I'm trying to think of a an analogy in the world of like television. It would have been like like when Coach left Cheers and he was replaced by Woody. Um, I feel like the the show took a downturn at that point. It would be the opposite for us, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, is there a show where somebody left and and, and then the uh, show got better, and then they got replaced by yeah somebody who strengthened the cast pretty dramatically? Gosh, I don't know. I'm going to think about that. While uh, Ronnie, I want to hear your perspective on this because you're the guy that Trogues reached out to. I think Trogues feels well. There's a couple things going on here. I think Trogues feels a bit of a kind of fanboy admiration for you in the music world. So I think that's part of it. I also think Trogues feels safe with you. You know, what for whatever reason, you're the safe place for him. Um, and he's texting you almost exclusively now. So I want you to talk about that relationship, if you would. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, to get a text like that from Trogues, I mean, it, you know, let me just be honest with you, fellas, and, and say that those texts, they, they, uh, they come... They come with no sense of padding, right? It's not like I get a text from Trogues that says, oh, hey, what's going on? Tell me how life is. How was vacation? Literally, yeah. like, that was the text. Like, that was the opening. Like, not not a good that morning. Was not an, that not, wasn't an excerpt. That there, was yeah, yeah, no. It was like that was the hello and the I love you and the good morning. That was all. That was the text. That encompassed all of that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, I, you know, I, so I just write back, you know, I, I just, I, I typically text back, you know, when Trogues, you know, comes up with something like that, a, a couple of dramatic question marks back at him, like, what, what the, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he writes back and he just sort of fleshes out and susses out what, uh, what he's, what he's driving at. And, and let me just tell you this. I, I never, I never really get to the bottom of, of what Trogues is, is trying to say or what he's upset about or why this agitated him. Like, I try. Like, I try to be the guy that goes a little bit deeper with him. But, like, he's not bringing it back to me ever. He just kind of keeps going on and on. And I'm like, well, man, I, I didn't know that these were – I didn't know that these were like therapeutic eps that we were trying to, uh, you know, that we were just talking about ourselves. They were just a little bit of a flip on the regular formula. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but for some reason with Trogues, man, you just, you never know what side of the aisle he's going to fall on, you know, because he's, he's a little, uh, you know, he's a little tenuous, our boy Trogues. Would do, you agree do you with that? Do you think it's a cry for help? Maybe, maybe we should, maybe I should interview him and, uh, and put, Put him on the couch. I think it's a. I think it's a Not total cry for help. Like on, <laughs> yeah. his, on his on his thing, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, what, what what's his podcast called? Only the only the better stuff. Or no, only that was the our good, podcast. Yeah, only the good Trogues stuff for That's only right. the good stuff, right? So we can there we never get to hear what the good stuff is for Trogues, do we? Mm. Oh no, he talks plenty about things that he likes on that podcast. Huh. But but I but I mean he could do sort of a, a break from the norm episode in which Barnabas Piper goes in as the as the therapist if that's the if that's the role that I have been tabbed with here mm-hmm. and uh, and put him you know put him on the couch and I'll sit in the chair and, and write notes and go mm, periodically and uh, and just get him to sort of unearth his past and the things that have uh, that have caused him to be such a, uh, a an aggressive texter. Yeah, I think it's just you're going to find it's like a dude growing up listening to a bunch of audio adrenaline songs. I mean, there's I don't you know, I don't know how I don't know how, you know, I don't know how deep we're going to go into all that stuff. And then he'll get real angry at me for not liking the Beatles and he'll probably accuse me of liking Taylor Swift because those seem to be like go to insults for him. I do uh, like even, Taylor Swift. What's wrong well, with I'm, that? I've never nothing, said anything about Taylor Swift. He just decided that I like Taylor Swift, which is the which is the funny thing. Ronnie, next time he texts you, I think the proper response is simply who dis. <laughs> just, just text him back. Who dis? 
and just see what he does. He, see if he can figure out how to respond to that. Well, you know, the thing is with Trogues, he's one of these dudes, right? When he texts, like when he texts, it's like you never. He he he's missing a lot in his like his writing abilities. So I'm always having us go, <laughs> Trogues. I don't even know what you're talking. Like, dude, you gotta you gotta write you gotta type these things out in English. Like like put an and and a the in there every once in a while, so I know what you're talking about. You know, dude. Do you think he's doing voice text in the car, dude? I never even thought about that. Dude. I think he's got yeah. that thing lashed to the to the dashboard there in Tallahassee where it's 150 degrees and it's and it. He's driving around and just saying things into the dashboard. Maybe that you're losing something in that in that whole thing. Or he's yeah, one he's, of those. Or he's one of those guys that you know has a standing desk with like the little treadmill underneath it, and he's like just hopping dude, the whole time. He's definitely a standing desk guy for sure. But with the and, treadmill and, and the voice text, the voice text struggles with the phone regardless. But it's really bad with Bluetooth, and you know he either has the little earpiece in or he's trying to do it like Bluetooth through the car. You know, so oh, yeah. and and it's just it's, so it's picking up every third word. So yeah, that may, that may have been techie. a two-page text he sent you, and that's just all the bullshit. That's just what came up. out of it. And I think yeah. he's kind of techy, but I also feel like you know we people got to know something about Trogues too. Is we you know we have some genuine love for Trogues. I don't want to uh, I don't want this to come off unkind and mean. You know, so we're oh, just, is some, somebody's going to say we're being brutal to him. This is that's a certainty. Not, Ronnie, no you're one. doing good work with him. I want you to know that. <laughs> I'm trying I want you to know that what you're doing is is uh, it's not easy. Um, it's good work. Uh, I don't know if you write that off as ministry time, but you should. Oh, um, I do. It's 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 taken yeah. about two to three hours per day now out of my uh, out of my right. sermon prep time. I mean, so that's, that's Starbucks time for you. You know, well, I mean, that's that's why Trogues is included in probably one of my illustrations almost weekly now on a Sunday. So it's <laughs> I uh, love you know, it. this, this guy I know. Right? See, that's you know, how it starts. I have a friend who's really struggling. <laughs> it's actually been a while since he's been included in the program, and uh, and I and I think we should be done. You know, I think we. Do you think he just played us? Do you think he sent think that text so. knowing that it would end up on the show? Yeah, and now he's, he's just mentioned like only he's just the good stuff. laughing yeah. in Tallahassee. Dude, he needs yeah. a little hit of, uh, of of marketing energy for his for his thing. So I bet it. I bet it was. I bet he played us because he knew he knew that would end up on the program. Oh. So if so, well played, well played, Stephen Altrogi. Well played, yeah. Stephen Altrogi, author of uh, author of Behold Our God and Only the Good Stuff. So uh, you know, start singing and start clicking. Trose is a marketer, man. He wasn't born yesterday. He knows how this game is played, boys. He and Michael Hyatt, like, hatched this whole thing together, (laughs) you know? This is a long play. (laughs) Boys, I want to talk about somebody else who's getting just relentlessly fanboyed in the reformed culture right now. Um, And that's a politician. You know who I'm about to say. His name is Ben Sass. And Pike, I'm like you kind of saying Ben Sassy, if we could just call him that for the sassy? rest of the time. I want it to be Sassy. It's Sass, but I always say Sassy. Yeah, I like Sassy. Let's yeah. uh, let's go with that. But anyway, Pipe, you threw this out via text this morning. Uh, why are evangelicals so obsessed with Ben Sass? And we had a good little uh, we had a good little dialogue via text about it. And um, you know, I have my theories. I think Sass is the he's like the political Tim Tebow. In that we that's finally great, have—that's a great description. Yeah, we finally have somebody who we perceive as cool and successful, and we're just going to wear him out. You know, we're just going <laughs> to absolutely run him into the ground. Um, but you guys are more plugged in, probably politically, than I am. So, um, Pipe, I want to hear your take on the on the Ben Sass uh, obsession in Reformed culture. Well, I, yeah, it, it it really confuses me because I can't think of another politician. Who, who like the conservative reformed world has attached themselves to so explicitly. Like obviously the, there's, a, there's the conservative 
evangelical side that that sort of conservative resurgence like that has always just tied themselves to the Republican Party in general. Mm-hmm. But like but Ben Sass is different because like he showed up at the Gospel Coalition. Yeah. Like that's a that's a whole different level of uh Well, he was invited. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean like they invited him. Like they right. they wouldn't have invited like I don't know, to pick your they wouldn't have invited like Ted Cruz, or, you know. <laughs> It, and and he's a Republican, so it's, it's not a party thing. It's something unique to him. And I, I think he's yeah. I think he's a professing believer. And I think that's the Tim Tebow aspect is like, oh, we've got a Christian who's in politics and he's articulate. So let's all drool, you know. <laughs> it's just also, sort of he's a, he's a reasonably decent looking dude. He does the family which thing. is rare in the reformed world. Let's be Very honest, rare, extremely rare. Right? He's not that old. I think he's like mid forties. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of perfect storm for this guy, man. You know, he did a little Yale, so he's got a little East Coast, like. Uh, but is he from like Nebraska or something? Yeah, That's so like it's, it's perfect center. storm. He's got the Midwestern yeah. sensibility that we all kind of like to claim, but yet he's got the you know the East Coast blue blooded Ivy League thing that that we're all also very impressed with. So he's um, also like if you like if you follow him on Twitter, he's like legitimately lighthearted and pretty funny a lot of times. So he's like pretty uh, irreverent. And he doesn't take it all so seriously. He's just so he's you know, constantly I'm, just yeah. It's really it's really interesting. So I'm he doesn't come at, off politician at all. I'm looking at know? Ben Sass here, you guys. In a couple of these headshots, man, we're working with a a legitimate head of '90s hair. I mean, we're yes. talking Goodwill <laughs> yeah. Hunting, Will Hunting style, uh, like hooks. Like, yeah, like middle part kind middle of thing. Middle part '90s yep. hook hair um, on Ben Sass, and it's incredible. Uh, I support that a hundred percent, man. Well, that's the thing is, I think I think that just that strikes a chord with the Gen Xers so much. Mm-hmm. Like his political sensibilities are gonna are gonna lock in the reform boomers, mm-hmm. and his '90s good looks are gonna strike with the Gen Xers. Yeah. And the millennials are are still a little bit uh, the, yet yeah, the kind of TBD. Can can he maybe that maybe that's the sense of humor, the sort of genuineness. He's a little bit. He's not afraid to speak. He doesn't really speak political language either. That's the other thing. So like when – if there's a press conference or a statement, he will very aggressively attack policies or things that he disagrees with mm-hmm. and not in sort of a let's all get along kind of way but in a like that's a stupid policy kind of way, which I think that that authenticity might might resonate. So he he might be able to lasso all the generations except the, the Gen Z or – what Gen Y or whatever we're on now, the, the little yeah. Ones. But like Pipe, if you heard like, did you hear his talk at, at Gospel Coalition conference? I mean, he he was no, like, I don't listen to po- I don't listen to politicians talk. Yeah, well, he was the, he was the least he was the least politi- I mean, he literally just sounded like another like pastor up there. Like there was nothing. Oh, it was good. very hooray. Maybe that's why the reform people like him. He's another pastor who talks into a microphone. Well, I think so, though. But I think it's because they were, you know, they had to set it up too. They're really afraid when they when they booked the guy because they were like, you know, we don't want to we don't want to start a precedent here where we're getting Hollywood people into TG, you know, I mean Washington people into TGC, and then what's next? Hollywood people, you know, all that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but he didn't. He didn't sound like that at all. So they obviously gave him the mo, which was, hey, you know, like we we want you to speak your heart, but it can't be uh, you can't be pushing policies. And and he didn't do anything like that. So it was. Right. Uh, so for TGC, it was uh, it was there. There wasn't a lot of politics in it. He was just uh, you know, and he kind of made his reformdom known to all the reformers, and 
And uh, so, I mean, it was a it was a perfect storm, like you said, Big T. I mean, it was about as good as it could get. It's a love fest, man. It's a love fest, pretty much. Is it a is it a bad thing? Like, is this problematic? Because I get I have sort of the I my like my my spidey senses are tingling about this one, not specifically about him, but just about attaching ourselves so tightly to a politician in general. Right. Yeah. Uh, Big R, what do you what do you think about that? Um, because I, I think I'm with pipe on this man. And, and it's similar to like attaching ourselves to an athlete or, or whatever. Yeah. I, I think there's a little folly in that, but, um, what, what do you think big R? Yeah. I mean, I think there's something interesting about the Christian community that just, it's just goes like, it just gets so hyped, man. Whenever there's like an athlete, musician, politician that claims Christ and um, there's just something about that that like legitimizes who we are as a people group, mm-hmm. and um, so I really think it's interesting that we have such a fa- we have a celebrity fascination with any type of celebrity that says the right things or convinces us that they're actually legitimately, you know, uh, you know, followers of Christ. And I, yeah, I, it's it's obviously it's problematic in in a lot of ways. I think you got to ask. Uh, here's the question: Why are we so fascinated with it? Like, like, in other words, there's a part of us that doesn't believe any of these people put their pants on one leg at a time. So, like, when they do, when they do sort of rise to the surface and start claiming faith, there's something about that that just gets us giddy. And it's kind of, it's a little nauseating, right? Because we've seen how bad this goes when down the road, like, they've sort of disappeared or they've, they've had their big fall or they just, it was something they did back in the day that yeah, got or, them where or, they needed or, to go. Or, you or know. just more subtly, like political power overtakes their convictions and all of a sudden they have to start making party line compromises right. to, to, to gain their foothold in, in, you know, to be part of a presidential, uh, to be, you know, kind of in a president's pocket. And so all of a sudden they are, you get somebody who was an outspoken, articulate, professing believer six months ago, who's now supporting something that you go, I can't get behind that. What happened in the last six months? Well, exactly. well party politics happened and power happened and, and power is a drug. And so mm-hmm. I guess that's the, I think that's probably what what scares me. There's there is the, the the Tim Tebow athlete side of things, and granted, Tebow hasn't fallen flat on his face yet, but he's still young. Give him a chance. Um, but so there's just the chance of of hanging our hopes on a famous person in general. But then just the the poison of political power is really makes me nervous in this sense. And he, I mean, he genuinely seems like a really good man and a really good politician, probably more the former than the latter, but mm-hmm. good. It still, it still kind of scares me that, that we're so geeked up about him and just sort of holding him up as the figurehead of like Christian, Christian political hope or something like that. I know. And I think we need to get, yeah. And it's, I totally agree with that. I think we need to give him a little bit of a break too, because I mean, there's a lot more at stake when he decides to do something that all of us are going to disagree with. And at the end of the day, if Bob Dylan or Tebow or any of these professing musician athlete types, you know, I mean, they, they can kind of go down a, they can go down a path. that's not really going to, uh, you know, it's not really going to affect us as much because we're not voting for them and we're not getting behind them. We're just buying their music and watching them play or reading their books, which, by the way, will probably win Book of the Year. Oh, it did. But um, right. Tim Tebow, so, author of the year. That's what I mean. But like with a guy like Sassy, I mean, it's uh, you know what I mean? I, I think that there's uh, you know, he can he's only going to be able to go so far in his career holding the views that he holds, which I think is really interesting. Um, whereas somebody like Tebow, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we don't really know. It doesn't. We don't really know what he thinks about a 
you know, a number of issues and it doesn't really affect us. Yeah, so it's definitely Tebow's different. Career, but, yeah. Tebow's career went as far as his, his weak left arm could take him in mm-hmm. football. And it, you know, and it, and now he's trying baseball and it will go as far as his ability to hit a curveball. Like that's a whole different thing than, than when you are an intellectual and political voice based on convictions. But right, but if he starts endorsing something that we disagree with, if all of a sudden he's like kicking it with Oprah and Rob Bell, I mean, he's going to lose a lot of fans. I mean, so it it does apply to him too, even in that way, because it's we're attached, we're attached through a uh, you know sort of a uh, um, we're attached through our beliefs, you know, and so everything has to stay in line. Yeah. And right now, it's it's in line, right? It's in line with Sassy and with uh, with Timothy, right? I think so, boys. Uh, I want to talk about one more thing vis-a-vis our beliefs. Um, Our listeners were curious as to what video games we believed in when we were young. Uh, (laughs) They they want to know about um, what vintage video games we loved uh, back in the day. So favorite old school video games. Uh, I have a couple. And I know you guys weighed in on this a little bit via uh, text. And I want to hear more about this. But... Um, for me, the game was Tech Mobile. Um, it was on the old Nintendo. Um, Tech Mobile was a staple. Um, I always used the Chicago Bears. Walter Payton was pretty much unstoppable. In Super Tech Mobile, it became Bo Jackson mm-hmm. being unstoppable. Um, Lawrence Taylor was pretty formidable. Um, but this was a great old school football game. Uh, so that one was huge. The other one that I remember uh, more communally was um, Mortal Kombat. I remember playing this in like mall arcades, which aren't even a thing anymore. Like malls are hardly a thing anymore. Um, you know, malls have turned into these like outdoor sort of uh, suburban shopping centers. But back in the day, you used to have a mall with a roof and a food court and um, and an arcade. And you would go in with like quarters um, and you would play a video game or your friend would play and you would like watch over his shoulder and um, – that was always a, a pretty exciting thing, and I, I remember the game Mortal Kombat being uh, being a lot of fun. But boys, I want to hear. Did you, you ever did you ever catch heat because that game? I, I remember Mortal Kombat being the first. It's the first game I remember being called out for being too violent because it had like yeah, blood. You, like, in it. you know, blood would like splatter on the screen. Yeah, you could like rip the head off of a guy <laughs> in that game. I remember I remember that being a thing, and uh, I never caught heat for it. In true kind of like. Christian fashion. I think my parents were like totally fine with gratuitous, crazy violence as long as there was no sex involved. <laughs> as long as none of the characters showed cleavage. Yeah, as long as there's no cleavage, there's no there's no sex or nudity of any kind. Like it can be it can be the most like stunningly violent thing imaginable, and it's and it's not a big deal at all. Yeah, violence um, is okay. That's kind of where, where everybody's good at. with violence. So, boys, I want to I want to hear about your favorite video games, but then I also want to talk about this kind of current phenomenon of like adult gamers and just what you think about that. So, let's get favorite video games from the past and then uh, address this issue of adult gaming. Ronnie, I, you in, when we were texting, you said that your you said something like your adolescence was all about BMX biking and quarters at the arcade, and it was a communal experience. And I just painted this whole picture of of Southern California, Ronnie BMX biking to an arcade with like a gang of moppy haired friends. Did I did I pretty much get that right? Yeah, I mean, dude, that was uh, that's essentially what it was until we could drive, and then we would all pile in a car and do it. But it was like, yeah, I mean, it's it's different than how you think of it now, and it definitely did have. 
it definitely did have a communal vibe to it. And there were like major arcades, right? So you'd go to these big, like, you go to these big, like, arcade plexes, right? Where there was like 500 games and it was all the sounds and smelled like, you know, red licorice and popcorn. It smelled like a movie theater. And so, like, all of that was like in play for me when I was a teenager. And, um, and it was a commitment too, right? Because, you know, you, you can only play as much as you had money to play. And, um, so it was a, it was something where you could make a whole day out of it. And, and it was, it was different before, you know, sort of the, the home version of it took, you know, took over everything. So to me, it's like a lot, a lot of fond old school nostalgia goes along with it. But yeah, so we really loved, uh, gosh, one of the games, I'll just name one that we super got into, uh, was, uh, was the, uh, the video game version of the movie Tron. And, Uh-oh, uh, it was Tron just was this- dope. Tron was totally dope and it was a really hard game, right? So sometimes you could only make it through like the first like level of each of each little section they had. I think there was like four four sections and that you could go level to level to level through. And uh, so yeah, me and my uh, me and my buds used to just play that game religiously. We never got really great at it. But um but it was just part of that whole like 80s futuristic you know, you know, just that that culture of being in the video, you know, the the you know the arcade and thinking, oh man, this someday I'm going to be able to spend like a hundred dollars in here and everything's going to be awesome. Little knowing that at some point, like Ted just said, all of it was just going to be, uh, all of it was just going to collapse. It's interesting what you just said, Big T, about um, about like indoor covered malls because I just read this article saying that in America this year they predicted that 270 of those old school indoor malls were going to close down. Oh, uh. that. That's how out it's going. I'm kind of That's, surprised there are 270 left. That's true. Well, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, because you see these things. So I was in Austin, right, at a conference last week. And uh, so I'm driving by and you see this big, massive mall like, you know, in Austin that's all shut down and there's all kinds of gates around. It just looks fascinating to me. It's crazy. Yeah, those places are great, baby. Yeah. Um, Pipe, what about you? What about a, an old school video game from you? Yeah, so this uh, I'm a good example of how just a few years makes a ton of difference in technology because I sort of missed the arcade boom because I th- that okay. was a few years prior to me. And I mean, they still existed, but but personal gaming systems had become so, you know, sort of ubiquitous that that like original Nintendo on up was sort of what I grew up on. So, the first game I remember loving like to play was a game called Narc Mm. Uh, and it was a, it was an original Nintendo game. It was a two person game where it was like a, a two two guys who were they were in the narcotics squad, and you just went around and and shot guys. So it sort of had the Mario like you walked across the screen. It was just sort of an endless scroll across the screen, mm-hmm. shooting bad guys and leveling up. So eventually you're fighting a guy who has like Gatling guns for arms or something like that. <laughs> um, so that was a fun one. Uh, <clears throat> Doom as a computer game mm. was was a I think that was the the first first person shooter game. It was either that or Wolfenstein 3D that I uh, that I that I played that I that just blew my mind because it was first person shooter instead of instead of the guys walking across the screen. And again, those were gratuitously violent and and amazing. I remember Doom had you know it had all sorts of think pieces written up about how it was turning turning uh, little boys into violent men and things Absolutely. like that. Uh, mm-hmm. What's that? We had a guy in our dorm in English Hall, or not English Hall. English is where my my lady lived, but Wingett's Hall at Taylor. Who uh, this guy played Doom, and he would play it with his door open, and he would play it at a, like two hundred decibels. All right, oh, so of course. Could, yeah. Everywhere you went, you could hear Doom. And this guy was like socially very awkward, 
I don't remember his name. I don't remember hardly anything about him, except we were all shocked when we found out that he kind of had a hot girlfriend. Because <laughs> we were like, how could a guy who plays that much Doom and who never leaves his room and, and you know, is that guy uh, could, could get a girlfriend? It seemed like just cosmically unfair. You know what I mean? <laughs> Did, did that question ever get answered? Or I feel like that's just sort of one of the mysteries of the universe. It's a mystery of the universe. And and no, I mean, we had a lot of smart guys working on it back then, but nobody ever, like, we, we were never able to figure out how this happened. It's like that and the question of how do pastors always outkick their coverage? Dude, it's true. It's so true. Um, I don't know, man. I just don't know. Um, Pipe, did, I feel like I cut you off. Did you have more on the on the vintage video game tip? Well, the, the two games, the two games that people my age will, who are sports fans, NBA Jam, and then the oh. full series of Madden games were yeah. just Madden games were revolutionary because because it they're just I mean and because they're still going and they're still bestsellers after like twenty five years. I don't know when the first Madden game came out. I think like ninety one, ninety two, and yeah, uh, I think it was with Super NES was the first ones that came out. And yeah, and then and then NBA Jam is a classic. NBA Jam is still fun. You can put it, you can get it on like an iPad, and you can play, yeah. and it's the original game, and it's it's still tons of fun. Dude, that game is a blast. Quick NBA Jam story. So when I was a high school senior, um, I worked for the Indianapolis Colts in their training camp that summer, and it was the it was the year that Marshall Falk was a rookie. Um, so we're going back in the in the way back machine a ways, but uh, all the guys had like Nintendos, and they all played. Just tons of NBA Jam. Like, that was the thing that everybody did, all the players in the dorm and all the staff. Like, everybody just played an insane amount of that game. And it was it was fun to be like, you know, oh, I'm playing NBA Jam tonight against, like, uh, you know, Dwayne Bickett, who's been on the Colts for 15 years, or, or Marshall Falk or whoever. <laughs> so uh, it was pretty cool. Did you, did you get in on any of that, or was it was it only, like, players, coaches who were doing that? Oh, no, everybody got in on it. Yeah, I mean, anybody who was in the dorm you know, was, was invited to play NBA jam. So, uh, it was, it was good times for sure. Do you have any spectacular victory stories where you just, you know, you took down Jim Harbaugh or something like that? Dude, no, I don't, man. I don't. And, and honestly, I don't remember. It was more just like the experience of playing with these guys. They, I was probably so in awe of them that I, I probably like, you know, choked every, uh, every game and lost, but it was was (laughs) kind of fun. You threw the game on purpose because you didn't want them to like hit, hit you with a football or something. Yeah, I wanted them to to like me, you know. <laughs> um, I don't know, boys. What do you think of um, what do you think of people our age who are like avowed gamers? Like they talk about it; it's sort of their persona. So being being sort of like the the older nerd gamer is a thing that you no longer have to feel ashamed of. It's like uh, it's it's an acceptable persona to take on. Um, a, do you know people like this? B, would you ever be that person? Ronnie? Yeah, nobody wants to answer this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I got to tell you, and I, it's, man, it's weird for me because I, I just, here's the thing. Okay, first off, number one, I don't care. Yeah. Number two, if I do you don't care. care about, you don't care about the people who are gamers? Like, you don't care that people are gamers? No, it's like I over, you know, if people can do it in moderation, I seriously don't care, and I don't care anyway. Um, but there's something about it that just feels offensive to me at the same time. Like when you meet a guy and like you can tell that they're just like 
they're just too wrapped up in it. And you're kind of like trying to find out like what they do. And like, so man, tell me what you do. And you have your family, you do this. And it's like, you can tell like every chance they get, that's all they want to do is like duck out in their man cave and like, you know, kind of just, just hole up and play for hours upon hours. And there's, there's (laughs) something about that that just like deeply offends me because I think like, dude, you should have like grown out of that already. But then Mm -hmm. you could say that about any like entertainment thing that we do, right? It's like you get over obsessed with it, but there's something about gaming in general, that when I find an older guy that's still committed to it, I just kind of look at him and I got to like, I got, you know, I got to watch my own heart with it. Right. Because I'm just like, dude, I don't get that. Like, I don't get you. I don't get why you're still doing that. I don't get why you're admitting to that right now. You know what I mean? And maybe it's because I had a little too much, too much Mark Driscoll in me, you know, 10 years ago to, uh, to, you know, to really like get down with like dudes that are still gamers. But, um, yeah, there's just something like offensive about it to me. And I don't, I don't really know. I haven't really fleshed it out deep enough to know why, but but it's there. I, I think the thing that the thing that gets me is that I mean, you, you you mentioned it, Ronnie. Any anything not done in moderation or things that sort of isolate you from other people, uh, especially family, are problematic. So I mean, there are people who are like um, obsessive runners, right, right, and so they're like an hour and a half a day. They're right. just they're off on a run, which which means that they're they're just kind of in their own headspace. <clears throat> But that's easy. Like, there's a good excuse for that. That's health. That's fitness. That's good for the mind. It's good for the body. And so, and so, you can kind of write that off, even if it has the same effect on on a spouse or on kids or you know that 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 kind of thing. Um, video games. It's really hard to make any excuses for. It's you hard know, it's to justify really, it, right? Yeah. Because even run, so that's a great point, though, Pipe. Because like even running, right? Well, you're not going to run. You can't run seven hours a day, but you can. I mean, you can you can be a gamer like seventeen hours a day if you wanted to. You yeah, know? and I I mean, and I do know I know a very small number of you know gainfully employed married parents who are gamers, and and they balance it, you know, so they're they're still full very invested as parents <clears throat> and as spouses, and uh, and they and and they you know they they're gamers. But that's really rare because I think I, – I just had a conversation with a couple of women the other day who were talking about how – so one of them leads the women's ministry at her church. And she was saying that more and more she's hearing this conversation about how husbands are withdrawing into the gaming world and the wives are kind of like, well, what about me? And uh, and that that's where I look at it and I go, it's – that's – it feels very like – that's a similar kind of thing somebody would say about – you know, he's withdrawing into alcohol or into weed or into porn, like things that are yeah. that are outright harmful for, yeah, it's like for medica- the body. It's like medicating. Yeah. yeah. It feels like medicating. I know. There's just – I know. Yeah. So it's uh, – yeah. So I think – yeah, I think uh, – you know, I, I probably look at it. I probably look at it more harshly than than I should. So for all of you, and I hate even the fact. I, I actually even hate saying the word gamer. Like I just yeah. hate that word. But like for lack of a better way to put it, so for all you, for all you de- devout gamers out there um, who are going to be offended by this part, and I hope some of you are actually. I'd love to. I'd love to hear some gamers write in and talk about the ways that they moderate. No, 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 no. We don't want gamers writing. <laughs> no, I actually do. I want to hear. I want to hear from some gamers. You can forward those to me. Yeah, forward right. them to me, pipe. <laughs> So. All right. We'll forward those to you. I think there's there's one other interesting thing, and that is the, the way that the way that you guys described your upbringing or, or your growing up experience with video games. My recollections, my recollections is always hanging out with friends in somebody's basement playing video games. Yeah. And you guys were did some of that and, and went to arcades. 
so much of what happens now is like headsets on playing over the internet. So it's sort of this pseudo virtual community. So it's not a, it's not an utterly isolated experience, but it's, it's about the same relationship as you have over social media or, Mm. or except maybe less personal. And it's that, that's another weird aspect is the way it's sort of, it drives a wedge between you and the people you are immediately around and creates these this interesting weird relationship with people you know in the you know in the world of uh you know whatever whatever war game you're playing yeah it's 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 definitely strange um boys have you ever played the game super smash brothers do you do you have any experience yes is that let me see super smash brothers is that the one is that the one where like there's characters from other games yeah, there's so characters like, from a whole bunch of other games. So it's and, like all the Nintendo games or something, and so you can be like Donkey Kong or whoever, and you and you are fighting other characters yeah, from video games. Yeah, you know, so exactly. it's, it's like a group game. Yeah, yeah. So I had this experience where you know, just in the course of teaching here for two years, I discovered that there's this like kind of underground community of like dudes here at here at our college who are like semi professional at Super Smash Brothers. And uh, it just so happened that I had one of those guys in one of my classes, and uh, we went to this this writing conf that we go to, SEJC, Southeast Journalism Conference, and um, I made sure that somebody brought a GameCube and Super Smash Brothers because I had never played, and I wanted to get like mentored by this guy. His name's Christopher Primo, and he became my Smash mentor. Um, so I, is that I like his gamer <laughs> name or is that like his real no? It's name? his real name, which is incredible. It's like it, Primo. It's it reminds me of a it's like a hockey name from the nineties. Like he was a defenseman for the you know Vancouver Canucks. You yes. know, and, and yep. so Christopher Primo became my my coach, if you will, my smash mentor. And um, I mistakenly let a uh, a girl student pick the character that I would play with. So I ended up playing with uh, Pichu who is the smallest kind of weakest character in the game. But I, I have to tell you guys, and I don't mean to brag, um, I got some work done with Pichu. And I think I have, I, again, I don't want to brag. I don't want to blow my own shofar here on the program. But I, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like I have some gifting, some natural gifting for Smash. Wow. So wow. Christopher Primo and I are going to see this thing through. And I don't know where it's going to go, but it might end with me just turning pro- um, at Super Smash Brothers and kind of leaving all this behind. So, baby, can you uh, can you do us a favor? Can you can you do me and Pipe a kindness uh, since yep. we're on the sub right now and uh, just just give us a couple weeks' notice before you uh, before you vacate, guys? Yeah. I will. I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not yeah. gonna make any rash decisions without involving you two gentlemen, the rest of the program. You know, in in what I'm doing with Smash, okay. And guys, uh, and just for the fans, Ted, Ted is uh, Ted's under contract for Live in Louisville. He will be there regardless of whether he's still with uh, the Rant by then. So I, I want to, I would just want to assure our fans as you're as you are sidestepping and you're you're moving into a new career that they can still count on that. Well, and let me say this and too: if Christopher you, Primo would be invited as well. We're, he, <laughs> we will, will, uh, will condescend to allow him to come. And also. Primo's coming. I mean, I never, I never travel anymore without Primo, so he's coming. And if, and let me say this: if you want to, uh, if anybody wants to bring a GameCube and play a little Smash after hours, uh, I would, I would be down. So, hmm. Um, hmm. so, so there's that. Um, there it is, you guys. I said my piece. I feel like it was it was weighing on me through this whole conversation. Wow, I mean, we have a lot to we have a lot of post show uh, prep now. To, uh, to we we should probably get to that because I'm feeling unsettled, Big T. 
I know you're. I, I know I've I've dropped a lot on you guys. There's a lot to think about vis-a-vis what I just said. But uh, I feel a little bit ambushed. Yeah, you feel a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling, pipe. And, and we'll by, probably have to do a, a post-post show just me yeah, and you talking about the, that. The yeah. threat of the threat of you just jumping careers because of this newfound success. I what? just feel I'm a little bit on my heels. It's a lot, you guys. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's a lot to deal with, and it's a lot that I've that, that I've done. So. Um, I want you to think I mean, about would you it. allow me to talk to Primo just one on one, Big T, so I can get a little, un- a little like further understanding? So of he what's- can ask for your hand in video gaming. I don't know that so, I'm going to so- give you that kind of access to Christopher Primo. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, but um, I, I think we all just need to give this a little bit of time to sink in um, and, and kind of loop back around. You know, maybe maybe we all need to do some more therapy, a la what what Trog suggested. So. Um, you know, maybe all right. Well, let's do three more boutique, as I like to call three them. Three more apps, boutique you know? apps. You know, we'll, um, we'll infuriate trogues. Everybody else will love it, and uh, but we'll get some of that therapy. We'll get we'll get some further therapy, is what you're trying to say. Yeah, we'll get we'll all get a little more therapy, and that'll be just the dynamic of the group, I guess. You know, okay. Moving well, forward. guys, uh, things are things are changing. These times, yep. they are changing. Absolutely. Absolutely, as former Christian rock artist Bob Dylan once said. <laughs> That's right, former CCM <laughs> superstar. Bob Dylan, who you probably opened for at a festival. The, the once Ben Sass of music. The Ben exactly. Sass of music. That's the right. once Tim Tebow of music. How long was he our Ben Sass in music? How he long was. did Christians claim him? Uh, up until we found out about Bono. Ah, did, interesting. It's true. He did two records. He did he did Saved. He literally titled a record Saved, and he did another record called Slow Train Coming. And Dude, those were yeah. his two uh, Christian rock albums. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable, man. My mom was so pumped. Mm. I was too young to kind of know or care, but yeah. she was pumped, man. I remember that. I remember that so I clearly. I bet. Yeah. Fascinating, boys. Fascinating. Yeah. You got to serve somebody. That's you the do. big Dylan Christian hit, you know? So, oh, uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's right. the that's the that's the Bob Sassy Tebow hit, you know? Dude, who's the Bono of right now in Christian music? I think it's the Bono of, of Christian music. Is still the actual is Bono? Bono? Is, the, is the Bono of Christian music? Well, well, Bono, Bono's become a little like, more Christian in the past. Like you know, he kind of he kind of went off the uh, he kind of went off the reservation there for about ten to twenty years, and now he's he's kind of come back, and he's all you know, hanging with Eugene Peterson, doing you know, talking about the Psalms now, and I, so the wow. the Christian community has like re embraced him because he's become like more of a mellow elder statesman, and he's not anti faith. And he's yeah. gone on record saying, you know, he's evangelical and he believes in Christ. And so yeah. he's been – he's made a fascinating return, really. Outstanding. Well, one of the things that, that we know about Christian culture is that uh, once we've adopted something, we just won't let it go until it's dead, like yeah. literally or figuratively. So, Well, uh, yeah, for in pipe. I mean bon- nobody has had the longstanding, you know uh, you know, run that Bono has had like in any of these industries. I mean that that's been – no, you mean like as an artist or like as a Christian influencer or just both? Both, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, I mean, honestly, man, the guy has never made any mistakes that the Christian community has sort of let him go. He's he's maintained he's maintained his critical mass in the industry. There's no doubt. There's nobody else that's ever done that like him. You know, yeah. one more question on this, man. While I've got you guys here, what about these kids? Uh, Twenty one pilots. I feel like that's a thing where, like, I, I hear that name in my classroom, and it's it's sort of like. I feel like they're kind of like the U2 of today in that kids kids who want to claim them as Christian do so, but kids that don't want to claim them as Christian also don't claim them as Christian. You know what I'm saying? I feel like yeah. they got they got a little like toe in both markets. 
They do. They're a little. They're a little more flash in the pan because it's just sort of you know irrelevant pop music. But yeah, uh, for sure, yeah, I don't. I don't think they're going to be around forever. No, the music does absolutely nothing for me. Like I've yeah. I've had some kids play, you know, samples for me in the classroom. But they do somehow. I don't know anything about them. But you're right, though. They do have. They do have a toe in each industry for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's maybe just because they're safe. I don't know. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Oh, I that, think it's- that makes sense because I. The only time I've ever encountered them because I don't ever listen to the radio. Uh, is I, when I watched the Grammys and they, I think they performed and I saw a, a lot of people I follow on Twitter who were super excited about him and I was like, what, what is there to be excited about? These guys yeah. are just generic pop. There's nothing unique or special about their sound, but that makes sense because if they've, if, if, if you can half claim them as Christian, then all of a sudden generic pop becomes epic art. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't be where they are if it was any less generic. You know what I mean? That's part of it. But now we're getting into other stuff now. So now it's time for now. It's like I'm doing a personal app right now. Maybe now it's like we're back doing therapy, right? For Ronnie Marshall. Yeah, yeah, quote unquote therapy. therapy. You know, guys, here's what really bothers me about the music industry. (laughs) Take it up with Trogues, baby. Take it up with Trogues. Um, I mean, I might be getting a text right now from Trogues. Hold on. Let me check my uh, my iPhone six. The answer is no. (laughs) <laughs> um, everything, everything on there, I can read. It's legible. So your neighbor, no, your neighbor Trogues, the good neighbor. Yeah, right. Uh oh, <laughs> dude, he's gonna come over and borrow an egg. And, and like a good neighbor, <laughs> Trogsy is there. Ooh, Ooh everybody like it. loves it when Ted sings on this. We always get comments. Sing that one you. more time, Big T. I, I, I didn't quite catch that. Like a good neighbor, Trogsy is there. Wow, that's that's good pitch. Ooh, yeah, that's that's pitch. yeah. Wow, guys, I haven't warmed up. I mean, I didn't drink my my tea and honey, and, and you know, I mean, no, I know that. I know that. Part. That was just a little that's, off. The- that makes it all the more impro- impressive that you didn't warm up and you still just ah, you you're just too walk, kind. Walked right. on. You know what? You're not gonna you're not you're never gonna sing that for Christopher Primo. So I I feel a little bit better right now because I know that's never gonna happen. Gosh, I know that you and Primo don't have that kind of relationship. No, you, you know, maybe I do. Anyway. Maybe I don't sing to Christopher Primo. I mean, I don't, but you know, I feel like I could. Let's let's not close the door on that you know well I mean? why don't why don't you why don't you throw me and pipe a bone right now and let us feel like we have something that he doesn't have why don't, why don't you, know you uh why don't you extend that kindness to us right now Big i can T? i can do you that kindness because we're hurting and Absolutely. we have hearts that are real those are those are real <laughs> pumping flesh and blood hearts right now i know you take right. away all the money and all the fame <laughs> and all the decadence you're just two regular guys with hearts you know what that's I mean? all we are and that's, that's all we are trying to make trying to make our way in the world with another podcast. That's yeah. all we're trying to do. You know, making your way in the world today it takes everything you've got, you guys. Okay, and I don't want you to forget that. Is that a Twenty One Pilot song? No, it's it's the theme song to Cheers, which is my is that favorite show of all time. <laughs> I was gonna say, I recognize that one. Yeah, yeah, boys, it's uh, it's it's time to wrap this thing up because you know what we've done together, uh, which is the thing that we used to do together. Uh, we've wandered to and fro uh, throughout this program, and uh, until next time. Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast.
Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.